Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi, Natalie. (laughs) How are you? Hi, Alex. I'm well. I am like really excited to chat with you. So before we dive into our chat together, I'd love for you to just tell the Hey Girl listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I'm Natalie from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think that's very important to mention because I love where I'm from. I think it shaped me creatively and the woman that I am, small country town in Oklahoma. And I'm a creative. And I just discovered that I am a healing agent. And I'm starting to embrace that by way of creativity that I've learned to open up space or create space for others to examine what healing feels like. And so I'm a creative through and through, an artist uh, by way of music and painting and, um, and a plant mom. <laughs> so that, that, that pretty much sums me up. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it all. So I want to talk a little bit about what you mentioned about being a creative agent. So before we dive into mm-hmm. music as a form of meditation, let's talk a little bit about this breakthrough and realization that you have a special gift that you can offer through your art, through your creativity and through your music. Yeah, well, it came, it, I recognized it via Handle With Care because my background is a writer, a songwriter. And so I haven't been an artist in the past in the way that I am now. I've always mm-hmm. been a painter. I grew up painting and drawing. And so painting and drawing for me was therapeutic, but it was very personal. It did not extend beyond me. At the time growing up, I didn't know, right, even how to make it extend. It was just for me to process life and to navigate my childhood and to express myself via the arts. And so it wasn't until Handle With Care where I'm with my roommate, who's a poet and a writer himself, where he started to challenge me to actually handle myself, to really deal with what was on the surface of who I was. Not just what was on the surface, but bring new things to the surface. And so this idea of understanding myself as a healing agent, it was as I understood. I am engaging in a practice that is allowing me to heal myself by going in and actually saying, what's there? How did it get there? Don't judge it. Touch it. Right. Mm. When I think about the idea of handling myself with care, I actually had to put myself in my own hands. I actually had to say, Natalie, you cannot be afraid to touch parts of yourself that have brought about shame, that have brought about fear, that have been off limits. You can't be afraid to handle those, to put them in your hands, to feel the texture. What does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? And so in writing, we do that a lot Mm -hmm. where we take an object and we examine it from our five senses, but then also how it engages with the world around us. Almost like show and tell. What do you see about this object? But also, what can you tell me about it? And so I kind of did that with myself. What do you see? What does this pain look like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? How does it make you engage with others? How does it make you engage with the world around you. And it wasn't until I was able to touch those things and face them that the healing practice kind of started. And the healing wasn't that I was fixed, right? Because I think sometimes we think, or at least I think healing is immediate fix. And it's not that healing is a process. I think scarring is the last phase of healing, but there's a lot of healing that happens that we can't see that is working below the surface. And so for me, that process started with writing and being a creative and 
creatively looking at myself and the pain and the trauma and the relationships and, and faith and God and all these things I was examining in a creative way. And it allowed me this safe little space to say, okay, what's there and what do we do with it? And maybe we do nothing with it. Maybe we just look at it for right now. And so um, that's kind of where my process started. And so when I started realizing that I was starting to be more comfortable with my pain, have conversations with the shame that was sitting there. Then it's like, okay, if, you know, not that I can copy and paste my journey onto anyone, right. but I do think there were some practical steps that I could now share with my mother and grandmother about just dealing with shame and pain. And that was the first realization. I was being honest. And once I was honest with myself through a creative lens, I was then honest with my mom and grandmother, which opened a door for them to both be honest and share secrets with me that they had not shared. And I think my grandmother was over 70 years and my mom was over 50 years. And we had the same story. And at that moment, I realized the music and the writing and the creativity was the vehicle to healing and that I could offer myself and offer them a door. Now, whether or not they were ready to walk through it or mm -hmm. a tool, you know, a pencil or whatever you want to call it, it was for them to decide what they wanted to do with it. But they chose to take it. And so they were honest. And I guess it was at that point when my grandmother said, me too. My mom said, me me too. And we realized we share the same story that I realized this was way bigger than just me expressing myself through music and paint mm. and creative thought. It was really a way to handle myself in a way to show others how to handle themselves gently with compassion, empathy. And so, yeah, that, that's where it started for me, I guess. So music as meditation, first of all, that awakening that you just shared is just stunning. And it brought me to this next point of how did music serve as this sacred space for meditation and reflection for you to be able to come to your elders and say, and be honest about whatever needed to be said, right? How did it yeah. prepare you? How did the music as a meditation, the art as a meditation prepare mm -hmm. you for that next step? of healing and connecting and community? For me, music is meditation. In my writing process, I have to simply be present in that moment. You really, for my process is very improv. And so I play music or I have my guitar or I'm just sitting with one sound on loop and I'm not envisioning what the sound will become. I am just present with that sound what is there. So I think even, you know, when we think of meditation, being fully present in the moment to simply be and to accept what is there, it's the same with music in a lot of ways as a writer. And so sometimes the music allowed me to take my thinking brain and put it on pause. And it almost allows this space for a new rhythm to happen in my mind where my brain is not trying to think. I'm still conscious, I'm still aware, but I'm not trying to actively think about something. I'm almost just engaging with the rhythm, the beat, the melody that's already there. And so it's this passive way of going inside. And I don't know if that's what it is for everyone else, but the music for me starts as simply being present and allowing what's there to be and allowing something new to come from that present moment. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's very much meditation in just the simplest form. Uh, I think once we get into lyrics and melody and things of that nature, you are asking yourself and acknowledging what is it that I feel right now. And so when I'm singing a melody or when a lyric comes out, it is my actual acknowledgement of that emotion right in that moment. Without changing it, I'm able to just say, this is what it is. And so without needing to judge it or make it become something else, it is mm-hmm. this free space to just sit with what is going on inside of you. And sometimes it sounds really beautiful and sometimes it doesn't sound that great, <laughs> but that's life, right? Yeah. I just feel like that's meditation for me as well. It's not always like this beautiful moment. It's sitting with whatever it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's very practical, I think, because sometimes I think people think music and if you listen to music or whether you create music, you can also experience music as meditation by simply just engaging with what's there. You don't have to be a creative or know how to write lyrics or sing melody. It is a passive way to just allow the music to create space for you to sit in between the lines. You know, I think of music notes and how they sit in between the lines. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's what meditation is. It's that sacred space in between thoughts, Mm -hmm. for me at least, where I can just rest in between two thoughts. And I think music is the same way. It's that emotion sometimes in between your feelings or when you don't have words in between two notes or harmonies, right? It's finding that note in between two notes. It's so synced together. Um, it's really a beautiful process, honestly. It sounds like it's a nurturing and nourishing process as well, which kind of brings me to the self-care part of mm-hmm. this conversation, which you know I have to absolutely right. talk about. <laughs> and lately I've been exploring self-care as community care a lot more like within the Mm -hmm. past year and a half two years and I wanted to talk to you about self-care as community care and like what it means to you to be able to fill your own cup up in whatever way and Mm -hmm. then show up in your community full so that you can share and be abundant and have these conversations with family and talk about your truths together. Like that really does require like this sacred act of leaning inward first. So what is self-care as community care to you these days? When I think about self-care, like one, you are one of the first people who introduced self-care to me from afar through your writings, through your social. And so one, thank you for putting language to, I think, a space that some of us did not know mm-hmm. and continuing to give us language uh, for things that we don't understand. Toni Morrison speaks about that a lot. And so the power of language is something that you have given us. And I say us, I'm saying as a Black woman, as a young Black woman, um, as a woman in general, a creative, a writer, giving us language for things that we don't understand, a lot of our emotions and feelings. And so one, thank you for that. But when it comes to self-care, for me, I realized that I didn't have capacity, the capacity to make a healthy contribution to my community when I was not caring for myself. Mm. Because a resentment would often come in because I could show up for everybody else. And then there was this expectation and entitlement that people would show up for me in the same way. And when they were unable to, I began to resent the contribution that I was making to my community, whether Mm. that was immediate community, family, a spiritual community, church or wherever, or even just globally, right? I felt resentful towards other people. And the reality was, it was not their responsibility to primarily pour into me first, right? Mm. I do think there is a shared responsibility that we take on with our community to want to pour into each other as we can and as we have the resources. But until I made myself a priority and I made my cup being full, 
you know, my own concern, right? Not just the concern of others. It wasn't until then that I was able to actually serve and to give of myself, not from a needs-based place, but from just Mm. a love-based place, you know? Mm. I didn't give to my community because I needed them to give something back to me. I gave to my community because I was overflowing, right? My cup was already full Mm. or enough to where I wouldn't have a scarcity mentality in how I was able to participate in other people's lives. And so I think the more that I'm able to stop and not view it as selfish and not view it as, you know, something that's off limits, was I able to just actually give? And I think we talk a lot about service and even in spiritual communities, or at least the community that I was raised in, a lot of times the focus is on others, right? Mm -hmm which is positive and which is necessary and which we need for the flourishing of the world, right? But there was not a lot of focus on how we show up for ourselves. It was always do, you know, do this for others and, and God will bring it back to you or, you know, like mm-hmm, these different mm-hmm. nuances and, and language, which I think the principle of those things are true, but I don't think we have to choose. I think both can exist. We could hold both. Mm-hmm. And so loving myself, also allowing God to love me, which spirituality is a big part of my life. And so allowing me to pour into myself, mm-hmm. also allowing God to pour into me in mm-hmm. ways that were, you know, sacred to me, then mm-hmm. created space for me to just pour out. And when mm-hmm. I'm not loving on myself and when I'm not caring for myself and staying outside in nature and resting and taking naps, I am not a happy person. I'm not a loving person. I don't have much grace and much compassion for anybody. And so. <laughs> Let's talk about your faith and what that means in your life today and how you stand alongside God and his word and your faith and your belief in not only your sacred self-care practice, but you said something that really struck me, which was allowing God to show up for me as well. So I want you to lean into that a little bit and talk us through what that looks like in your own spiritual practice. Man, my faith is changing shape. And I think I was always afraid of that Mm. because I didn't see it as this fluid thing. I saw it always as this solid rock foundation, which it is, but it's water in the sense of there's times where water can be solid ice and there's Mm. times where water can be fluid and the shape changes, but what it is is still what it is, right? It's still water at the end of the day. And I think I was only allowing my faith and understanding of God to just be ice, rock solid, this group, this long list of to-dos, this very critical relationship. And I was really comparing God to people and my understanding of God at this point is not people. God is not like people in any way. And so for me, it is now learning that my relationship with God changes and it's okay when it doesn't feel as loving, right? Doesn't mean that God isn't being loving. It's just, hey, it's okay for me to feel like, hey, God, I don't really understand what's happening in the world right now, right? With the injustice and things that are happening. It doesn't feel like you're being really loving. And for me to now have the freedom to go and have a conversation with who I know God to be and to allow space Mm. for both sentiments towards God. You're loving, but also I'm very confused by what's happening in the world, right? And so 
it's this flexible, it's a relationship. Before it was rules and it was beautiful tradition, but it wasn't a relationship where there was a lot of conversation, where there was forgiveness, right? Where there was times where I needed to say, God, I forgive you for what I feel like you've allowed because it's blocking the way that I engage with you. It's mm-hmm. blocking the way I engage with the world. I forgive myself. Now it's a real relationship to where I can have conversation about the things that I don't understand, about the things that I enjoy, about myself. And, you know, me being a woman who was raised in a very strict Christian views and ideas and not knowing how to say, I don't know if I believe the same anymore because I was afraid and not wanting to throw everything out, right? But wanting to just examine what do I believe? Handled with care and my faith at the time was was shaky. I, I didn't know what to believe and I was afraid of asking questions. And so Handled with Care also allowed me to ask myself questions about what I believe. Also about my sexuality, which I didn't really ever have a full understanding because it was always a space of shame coming from the Christian space that I grew up in. It was like, there's only room for heterosexuality that is it mm-hmm. and so for me even having just being honest like being in love with the woman and not even being honest and saying hey you're in love with the woman and you also love God and you also want to embrace your Christian faith and all of these different things you have to hold all of these right now mm-hmm. and you are holding all of these right now and you don't have to judge what that means mm-hmm. and possibly God is not judging what that means maybe you are more judgmental about your life than God actually is right now mm-hmm. maybe God is not even focusing on those things and so it wasn't until I just gave myself grace to be who I was and who I am right then in that moment. A woman with many layers, a woman with many beliefs, a woman with contradicting beliefs, with conflicting relationships. It wasn't until I just allowed those things to sit that it was like, oh, I actually can have a healthy spiritual practice because I'm not hiding. I'm not bringing a false narrative to the table. I'm not bringing an idea of who I am, right? This better self. It's like, no, I'm bringing me. And this is who I am at the core. And it goes far beyond who I choose to date and my ideas about life. I'm a daughter, right? I'm a sister. I am loved. I am a created being. I am a human. And before we get into the other nuances, it's like, I'm just a person. And I have to create space for that. And I have to trust and believe God has also considered those things. It's ever-changing, but very much the same and very much nourishing and reflective. Water can be, I can drink water, but I can always look at myself in the water as well So I think it's reflective, it's nourishing, it's helpful. So before we wrap up, I'd love to ask, what would you tell your younger self if you were mentoring her today? How would you hold space for her? I would tell her today, don't be in such a rush to become someone else. Mm. There are so many beautiful things about who you are right now. Even in the broken spaces, there are beautiful things to discover. Don't despise who you are. You are worthy of this moment Mm -hmm. with everything that comes with, with her. So pause and enjoy who you are right now. Before you get hyper focused on becoming someone else, enjoy the little girl that exists, that is full of wonder and full of life and full of tomboy, what what we would call is tomboy nature. And just like, before you try to become somebody else, just just be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's okay. It is okay. You will not experience what you're experiencing forever. These days will pass and you will be happy. 
Hi everyone. So before we go, I wanted to play a snippet of Natalie's song, God Morning. It has been on repeat in this house all summer until now, and it is truly one of the most beautiful songs I've heard. It is an affirmation in song form, and her album Handle With Care has also just been on repeat. I cannot stress enough how much of a blessing this work of art is, and I hope that you all enjoy this snippet of God Morning. For the full song, please head over to to wherever you stream your music and listen to it. Actually, just listen to the whole album from start to finish. You're going to love it. Okay, take care. Good morning, stretch. Reach for the stars Today maybe, baby, you're an astronaut No room for margin My fears are starving The saints still marching I am the harvest and God got flowers for me God got flowers for me God got flowers in me That never met a face Just rose in his shades You can lay inside your faith this kind never fades enough I feel love surrounding me And your spirit guiding me Just breathe and pray There's grace for the day So I can't Thanks for listening to the show today please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl Podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me. Alex L. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.